I am here to give you the top stories in news and sports. You will hear facts, but also my analysis and passionate opinions. I believe in truth and morality over everything, and I hope to brighten your day a little. This is the KZ Report, brought to you by Kamran Zahid. Hope you all are having a wonderful day. This is Kamran Zahid bringing you the KZ Report, where I give you top stories in politics and sports. First item I have in political news is that Kenneth Roth, who was uh, the human rights advocate, uh, he criticized Israel's human rights abuses, and for that, Harvard rescinded his fellowship. Now they have reinstated their offer, which just goes to show you the power of um, raising your voice and also the fact that there is a good degree of support for those opposed to Israeli human rights violations. In case you didn't know that this last Sunday on January 22nd was the 50th anniversary of the Roe versus Wade decision. Now obviously the Supreme Court has overturned that and many states are moving to illegalize abortions. Just to give you some context on where public opinion is on this issue, in a recent Pew poll, 61% of people were in support of allowing abortion in all or most cases, while the opposition was only 37%. So you may ask how we arrive in this kind of a situation, and it's really a twofold answer. So our system itself is designed to give numerical minorities an excessive amount of power, for example, the Electoral College. Um, we all know that you can lose by millions of votes and still, quote, win the presidency. And then you have the Senate, where a state like California has the same amount of votes as something, a fraction of its size, let's say, West Virginia. Now, the second part in answering why America is so far away from a democracy is Citizens United. We have given corporations an enormous amount of control in America, and I'm not sure it specifically applies to this issue, but in general, there's a lot of things where there is democratic support in one direction, and our elected leaders seem to go in another, and that's because they are bought and paid by the corporate PACs that donate to them. If we ever want some semblance of democracy in America, we'll have to shift to a system where the Electoral College is eliminated and also where big companies are not allowed to buy off politicians. So basically, get the money out of elections. Alright, so now let me move on to our next story. And I'm a bit late to the punch, uh, but I did follow it initially. So about 7,000 nurses in New York City went on strike. And it was a big deal because it crippled the hospitals in the area. But it was an absolutely necessary strike. The nurses were not even complaining about the pay. They were complaining about staffing. So staffing was at such dangerous levels that patients were having to wait for immediate care that they needed. And hospitals, for example, Mount Sinai, had intentionally left open spots for nurses vacant. So basically, just like all other sort of major industries, these hospitals wanted to load as much work onto one person and give them a pay raise. These brave nurses, knowing that they could be jeopardizing their careers, they persisted 
And eventually, the hospitals relented. For example, Mount Sinai agreed to increase staffing. So honestly, when it comes to the workplace, I really, this is my personal opinion, and I'm sure you'll you'll grow to know this if you uh, become a regular listener. I think labor, including and especially strikes, are an immensely powerful tool that we have that the oligarchs and the ruling classes don't really want you to know about, but it's there, and we can get a lot done if we exercise those rights. I have one more item of news for everyone, and this is the most important and unfortunately the most somber, so I went ahead and saved it last to not start the podcast off on an ominous tone, but at a certain point we have to recognize reality. So, as of, I would say, a couple days ago, the United States and Germany were in a silent feud on sending tanks to Ukraine. Germany was refusing to send Leopard tanks and release them from other countries who have those tanks, unless the United States agreed to send M1 Abrams tanks. At first, it seemed like Biden might make the right decision. But then, the normal, corrupt, bloodthirsty, uniparty process began. So, Chris Coons is a Democratic senator from Delaware, was on the record saying that we need to send M1 Abrams tanks to Ukraine. Lindsey Graham said the tanks were necessary and claimed the world order was at stake. And unfortunately, as of today, January 24th, American officials have confirmed they will be sending Abrams tanks to Ukraine. I am the last person to be an alarmist, like a lot of corporate media resorts to to get public opinion on the side of war, and I would oppose any sort of U.S. intervention in this issue. Even the aid that we're giving to Ukraine, I think, is pretty pretty sad, considering just about how much poverty and suffering there is in our own country. Uh, I'm not sure why we should be giving billions to a foreign country before taking care of our own people, but that's a totally different conversation. Anyway, sending these Abrams tanks to Ukraine greatly increases the likelihood of a major conflict between NATO and Russia that would pretty much be World War III. While the war itself is frightening enough, the actual danger here is the use of nuclear weapons that have not been used since Hiroshima and Nagasaki. This is what the Russian head of the Duma, their lower house of parliament, sort of like the House of Representatives here in America, this is what he had to say. His last name is Volodin. A direct quote. He said, If Washington and NATO countries supply weapons that will be used to strike civilian cities and attempt to seize our territories, this will lead to retaliatory measures using more powerful weapons. The death toll in a nuclear exchange would be catastrophic. So, recent research by scientists that I found um, shows that the immediate impact from just the blasts themselves would be tens of millions of deaths. And then the aftermath would lead to chemicals in the stratosphere that would ruin crops and are predicted to cause hundreds of millions of deaths from starvation. 
this point, if you have some sense and you want to do something about this impending disaster that we seem to be headed towards, I would encourage you to call your congressmen, your senators, um, and let them know that you, you know, greatly oppose sending these tanks into Ukraine and that you are utterly opposed to any sort of war with Russia. Because as I said, the consequences could lead to annihilation. So I want to end on a quote that applies to almost all the stories I read to you today. And it's a quote by a Pakistani poet, Faz Ahmed Faz. And uh, the translation goes, Underneath our feet, we the governed. The ground will echo like a thumping heartbeat. And the sky over the heads of the rulers will echo with the sound of thunder. So I interpret this quote not as meaning we need to immediately resort to violence to have systemic change. I think it means that as a group of millions of people who are united behind one cause, that gives you power. Even when the rulers, the people who are supposedly our elected leaders going against our own interests, we still have power. There's millions of us and not nearly that much of them. So peaceful protests, mass labor strikes, those are our rights. And we might have to lean on those more and more because I hate to say it, but the corruption is everywhere in America and across the world. So it's time for common people to unite and say that enough is enough. We want to have decent, normal lives and we want to not make decisions that are broadly unpopular by the majority of people and go against everyone's interest and very survival. So now I'm approaching the 10-minute mark, and I will be moving on to the sports section of my podcast. So if that's not your thing, feel free to stop listening. Or if that was your thing, then feel free to skip to this part. This last weekend was the divisional playoffs, and uh, we had some interesting games, to say the least. Uh, The Jags made it competitive with the Chiefs. The Cowboys flamed out like they seem to do almost every year. Um, But I really want to look at the Bengals-Bills game. Because I feel like Joe Burrow proved that he is a top five quarterback in that game. And Josh Allen proved that while he is immensely talented, a combination of the system and his own play does not lead to consistent offense at the end of the year when the pressure is on. So of the teams remaining in the conference championships, in the AFC uh, between the Bengals and the Chiefs, I would say my pick is the Bengals. Um, The Chiefs are great. Mahomes is great. But I just think that Burrow will make one less mistake and take one less risk than Mahomes which could be and might be the difference in this game. Now, on the other side, I don't think this game will be as competitive. I fully believe the Eagles will dominate the 49ers. The 49ers won a lot by luck against the Cowboys. Brock Purdy almost threw a very crushing late interception. Uh, His play was very mediocre, by far 
the least impressive of the four quarterbacks remaining for these conference championships. And it really took, you know, some incredible defensive stands um, against an inconsistent offense for the 49ers to be able to win. And the Eagles, everyone knows, and I'm not going to go into and, you know, sing their praises, but they are a very strong team led by a quarterback who you can't defend very easily because their passing and running game are both so, so strong. And of course, the defense is great. I think I believe they led the league in sacks. Uh, so I fully expect Jalen Hurts to ball out. Um, and I expect the Eagles to handily win that game. And it's a bit early, but I'll go ahead and give my Super Bowl prediction. And it's a little bit, I guess, from a sentimental point of view because I really do like Joe Burrow. So the Super Bowl, I predict, will be Eagles versus Bengals. And like I said, I think the Bengals will come out on top, even though it'll be a very competitive game. Now let me hone in on the Colts. I am a Colts fan, um, diehard. I've supported the team through those shitty years 2015, 2017, 2019, 2021, and now 2022. I'm not going to ever not be a Colts fan, but the state of the team is dire. These interviews that they're doing, they're setting a record. It, it really just feels like it is a shield for Jim Ursay to hire Jeff Saturday. And if he actually tries to tell anyone after potentially hiring Saturday, that he was the most qualified candidate, then you're going to know he's a literal fool. Here's to hoping I'm wrong, and I hope I will be, that we hire a top coordinator, for example, Dan Quinn as a DC, or Eric Bieniemy as an OC. It's pretty early, but we might as well talk about the draft because the Colts badly need a quarterback. And in order to explain my pick, I'm trying to give you some perspective. So these are some statistics of all the top four so-called appointed or anointed quarterbacks, whatever you want to call it. Um, but these are their stats against Georgia within the last two years. So this should give you some perspective. So Anthony Richardson completed 48.6% of his passes for 271 passing yards, one passing touchdown, zero interceptions, and 19 rushing yards. Next, Will Levis had a 64.5% completion percentage for 206 passing yards, one passing touchdown, one interception, and 26 rushing yards. So Bryce Young, who a lot of people are predicting will be the first overall pick, his numbers against Georgia were 61.4% completion percentage, 369 passing yards, one touchdown, two interceptions, and negative 43 rushing yards. So I saved the best for last, and this is who I think the Colts should pick with their first round selection, and it is C.J. Stroud. His numbers against Georgia that we all saw recently within the last month, they were 67.6% completion percentage, 348 passing yards, four passing touchdowns, zero interceptions, and 26 rushing yards. I think it would be malpractice if the Colts even thought about Richardson or Levis. Um, They're extremely raw prospects, a huge gamble, and I, I would 
feel like a lot of fans would be enraged if they went with either of those. Let me compare Bryce Young and CJ Stroud. And honestly, I would be okay with Bryce Young just because of the sheer, you know, magician ability he's shown. But I still think that size is a concern. Um, Those two interceptions and those negative rushing yards against probably the top pass rush in college are definitely concerning. Uh, CJ Stroud actually did the opposite. He... um, eased a lot of people's concerns and I think he's QB1 just because of how he performed against Georgia which is the closest to an NFL defense there is in college and he played stellar against them I mean he almost won them the game at the very end I believe his coach uh, kept running it on their last set of downs which led to a very long field goal and caused a miss he would have beaten Georgia if it were not for that you take C.J. Stroud and you either pay or draft a receiver very high, um, drop the dead weight if we have to, the low-impact positions with big contracts, I mean, those are just stupid. That's the kindest way to put it. Um, So if we need to trade players along with some picks to get C.J. Stroud and to get a a very high-level receiver... We need to go ahead and do that. Um, I think a lot of Colts fans are ready for us to be back in the playoffs, ready for us to compete. And I know the AFC is loaded, but I don't know how you even give yourself a chance with the way the franchise is being run at the moment. All right, so now we reach the end of this podcast. Uh, This is the very first episode I'll ever do. So if it has some flaws or if I'm not great yet at the whole speaking thing uh just bear with me i will improve Um, i'm very passionate about politics and sports spend a lot of time reading about them and i hope to engage um whoever listens to this podcast however small that audience is i don't care i just want to express my passionate views uh the creative process I think of making these videos helps inform me. Um, It honestly makes me happy to do this. Um, I'm a bit late to the creation game. Just about, I would say, 17 years late since YouTube got big in 2006. But anyway, I thought I'd add my voice into the the internet realm of, of people already talking about these issues... And I hope if you like my style or what I have to stay, you keep listening and encourage others to do so. So that's all for today, and I hope you all have a great day, and I will talk to you next time.